All right, a little bit of breaking news before we get to our regularly scheduled podcast here. So Matt and I recorded, obviously, earlier in the day. You're getting this podcast late in the afternoon or evening on Friday, whenever you choose to listen to this. little breaking news, though. Bulls made a trade again today. Um, if you haven't heard this news before, the Bulls made a trade with Oklahoma City Thunder for, for guard forward Timothy Luawu Cabrero, former... First round pick from the 76ers. He went number 24 overall in the 2016 draft. The Bulls, basically, this is just a salary dump. They also waived uh, Chicago Bulls legend Carmelo Anthony. So this is just a salary dump. The Bulls got cash considerations back, but it doesn't seem like it's all that much. Uh, This helps the Oklahoma City Thunder out. Details on this, Oklahoma City will save 7.3 toward the luxury tax with the trade. Uh, the Thunder now have a tax bill of $66.15 million and have also created a $1.5 trade exception. The Thunder have also have a $10.8 million trade exception available to use. Oklahoma City now has 13 players under contract and will have two weeks to fill that roster spot. The Bulls used part of the $2.7 million trade exception from the Justin Holiday trade to acquire Luawu Cabarro. Uh, that coming from Bobby Marks from ESPN. So yeah, this isn't all that big of a move. Uh, For TLC, which is what we're going to call him just because his name is ridiculous, and I know the the storyline behind him is going by his real name. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. The most the Bulls can offer him if he does play at all with this Bulls team is $2.5 million in unrestricted free agency. Anybody else out there, if they choose to do so, can offer him more, but this shouldn't be an issue. So I wanted to pull, want Bulls fans to be aware of this if you aren't already, if you're not on Bulls Twitter. So that's the news. That's breaking news here from Locked On Bulls if you're listening to this right now. We'll have more details for you on Monday's episode, but wanted you to be aware of it. So there's that. Carmelo Anthony gone. Timothy Luawu Cabarro on the Bulls for now. So that's it. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming here at Locked On Bulls. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. This is not a negotiation. I'm running this team because the Reinsdorfs want me to, and I'm going to run it that I think is best. And your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. I think your play is embarrassing. The pro player thing, this is basketball. Follow Locked On Bulls on social media, on Twitter at Locked On Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Pat, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Locked On Chai Bulls. Are players buying in, Jim? I, yes. Fair enough. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, streaming live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley. Along with me is Matt Peck. Text and voicemail lines 331-979-1369. Matt, what a wild day yesterday was across the NBA. Obviously not here in Chicago it wasn't, but across the NBA, you know, we had a star move 
and a surprising move at that. But first and foremost, how you doing on this beautiful Friday here in Chicago? It's great, man. I told you we just had to our, fight our way through that polar vortex. Walked outside already this morning. It's like you know, ten degrees or whatever. It feels like feels like beach weather. It's great. Um, yeah, it was a it was a fun day of NBA <laughs> trade deadline yesterday. Um, you know, we, we're uh, less than a week removed now from the February seventh trade deadline, and we saw the Knicks and Mavs make a huge move yesterday. Uh, Chris Dapps Porzingis heading to Dallas. Uh, along with some salary filler and then uh, you know the the Knicks in return taking DSJ and uh, a couple of future first round picks uh, from Dallas you know I I like the move for Dallas definitely especially if they can convince Chris Stapps that he wants to stay and and play with his boy Luca because man that would be a fun Dallas team to to watch grow together the Knicks clearly it was just as much about clearing space you know dsj is a nice a nice piece and maybe they have faith in him being their point guard of the future but to me it was just as much about clearing enough space so that they can go after and sign not only kd but another star for kd to play with so if they swing and miss on that then all of a sudden this trade looks pretty bleak for the knicks um but hey i mean chris daps wanted out there was clearly, you know, an understanding that was reached between Chris Dapps and, and Nick's ownership, and, and they made a move swiftly. So we'll see what happens now. But certainly you, you start to wonder, is that the, the big domino that fell that, that uh, then kind of cues other dominoes to fall? Um, and are, are we going to get a crazy week leading up to the deadline, or we get one of the years where it's just kind of a bust and a lot of talk and nothing happens? So I'm looking forward to see see what happens next. And wishing that the Bulls would would throw their hat in the ring, so to speak, but uh, having trouble believing that that the Bulls are going to do anything big. Yeah, I don't know if I would call it a a mutual agreement between Kristaps and the Knicks. Um, Let's dive into this a little bit, though, because I think it's very interesting, this whole thing, the way it transpired over the last few days. Um, For the entire details, first and foremost... Let's plug our guys at Locked On Mavericks and also Locked On Knicks. Locked On Mavericks, they have done a phenomenal job over the last year of growing their little fan base of of Mavericks fans. They call themselves the Raccoon the Raccoon Squad down there in Dallas, and now with Luka Doncic down there, um, it's unbelievable their growth and developments that they've had with their show. Um, we appreciate everybody here at Locked On Bulls and the way we, we've grown our listenership and the, the 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 support that you guys have given us. Um, we like to mirror that and see the way that they've grown their show. Um, if there's anybody that we can mirror and mimic, and I guess uh, if there's any show in the Western Conference on the Locked On Podcast Network that does it similar to us, I think the Maverick Show is similar in that fashion so props to those guys go listen to their show their reaction to that and also the locked on Knicks show of the Knicks side of things but Matt okay I promise you I'm gonna try to keep my cool I was very very upset yesterday about this and it wasn't more it wasn't about not being in the conversation about Kristaps Porzingis or even trading for Kristaps Porzingis it was just the idea of once again just not even be, you know, not even being willing to take the swing, you know, like other teams doing this and taking big swings, uh, taking risks, rolling the dice, 
that's what I'm more mad about. So that's what I want to say first and foremost is the, the theme of all of this is willing to take big risks. The whole Kristaps thing, though, don't you find it very strange that his brother, his agent, is betting on himself, betting on a, a 7-3 guy that just tore his ACL, is going to use basically no leverage at all to play on the qualifying offer and risk everything that Kristaps could potentially make and not really look around the history of the NBA and look at other dudes who tried playing on the qualifying offer and risk a potential max contract just to go to unrestricted free agency in 2020? Like, that's a huge risk. Does he not remember Ben Gordon doing that? And look what happened to yeah, Ben Gordon. I mean, it, it is a risk. It's definitely a risk. I mean, I, you know, we, uh, I know that you were at least vaguely interested in and sniffing around Chris Stapps and you know talking about maybe how he could or would fit with this Bulls team moving forward but I mean the that's the risk attached to you know Mark Cuban made a big leap just now because you know talking about how excited I was just a minute ago about watching Chris Stapps and Luca play together and and build what could be a really competitive team down there in Dallas like we haven't seen Chris Stapps post ACL yet so we don't know. Like, I think it was a good deal for the Mavs to make because they didn't give up all that much. They, they feel like because they have Luka, the DSJ was expendable, right? And we, we heard months ago that the DSJ was kind of out on the trading block for them. And the future firsts, we'll see. You know, th- those are unknown uh, qualities right now. But it's just such a risk to make. I, I understand that Bulls fans can be frustrated to say, we're just sitting back watching trade deadline action happen and we're not doing anything. And I've like that's a broken record for lots of years. It's like, oh well, cool. Like we sold this guy who barely plays, or you know, we we uh you know, we took a flyer on this guy and gave up a second round pick. It's never big stuff for the Bulls deadline day. Uh it's usually um, you know, off season when the Bulls make their moves. But this is a risky move that I am not necessarily jealous of. I really hope that Chris Stapps comes back and plays at a very high level and is, you know, a perennial all-star kind of player. But it is a huge risk that the Mavs just took to to trade for a player and give up a, you know, a, a non-zero substantial package of DSJ and two first-rounders to get a guy we haven't seen play coming off an ACL. The Bulls made a very similar risk with Zach Levine, and we're kind of still figuring out what we have with him. That's true. This is the one thing I will say about that. I think we have been brainwashed by the Knicks a little bit. The entire NBA has a little bit. Here, Here is why. Think about it this way. Remember back to Joel Embiid's injury a few years ago. It wasn't in their best interest to let him come back and play. Because they, if they would have let him come back and play before his contract was up, letting him come back and win games for them would have not only put them in a worse position in the lottery, but also would have showcased him to the NBA as, hey man, this dude actually can ball out. You all can offer him the most amount of money. He ended up not taking the full max, right? And at the same time, you know, that gave everybody around the NBA 
all this, all these ideas besides the 76ers who had him in the building and they were the only real team who, who knew for a fact. So it was like, no, this, like, we know he's 100% healthy. Like, he's good to go. That, like, look, we're fu- he's fine with not taking all of that money. I think the thing that Kristaps got caught up with, and it wasn't even him. I think it was his agent, his brother, who, which was the funniest part of it all, is worldwide Wob people who's who are on NBA Twitter. He was just going nuts about this. It's like Kristaps needs a fires agent yesterday because he's holding out this this anxiety and this paranoia of the Knicks not following up on their promise of paying him nine figures just because he's not playing like it's not in the Knicks best interest to go out there and let him play right now because the only thing he's going to do is go out there and showcase himself um, showcase his skills and end up winning the Knicks games and the only thing that's going to do is push them farther and farther uh, back in the lottery so I understand it from the, the stat standpoint the Knicks were actually doing the right thing in this point so to me that that case that you were making just now about okay, we don't really know what Kristaps is with that ACL injury. And what I was saying about the ACL too is, you know, I don't want the Chicago Bulls to become the Chicago ACLs. Fair. And I did say that. And that makes sense. But at the same time, we were just talking about two years ago. Kristaps was what? One of five guys in this league that we were waiting on as the next generational talent. Like, I think we we all have recency bias as far as not seeing him for the last year. That's the dude we were waiting on as the next superstar in this league. I think the Knicks knew knew far and well that Kristaps is healthy and ready to go. So, like, good for Dallas. They, they took a swing, and I think full and well that Kristaps is not going to be an idiot and take the qualifying offer. I know there's reports out there, but look, he's got some time to wait and figure out the chemistry thing of this. I think the Knicks panicked, man. I really do. And look, you don't set up a blockbuster deal uh, in an hour after this quote-unquote meeting happened. And so th- there's this all these little details that go into this trade. Um, and to me, it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense from the Knicks side. And they're taking a huge look, gamble man, I mean, on 2019. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's panic. Because panicking and making a move... To get somebody who is a bigger star than Kristaps is not like those are different things. I I don't think it's necessarily panic because it, it all happened fairly quickly. You know, as far as like Twitter alerts and Woj bombs and Stein bombs and whatever yesterday being like, oh, the Knicks might actually be in a situation where Kristaps has told them that he wants out, and then all it was like less than an hour later, the uh, initial tweets about a deal in place with Dallas came up. So I think because of that, maybe there's this notion that the Knicks panicked. But there was uh, another tweet from someone, I think maybe uh, Ian Bagley, who said, like, no, no, the Knicks have been working on this for days. They've been talking to Dallas for days. Um, and I don't think it's panic. I think that they decided that Kristaps may or may not you know, be healthy. Maybe he's an injury risk. Maybe he's not. But he's not a big enough star for the New York freaking Knicks. And if he wants out, we'll let him out, and we're going to clear a whole bunch of cap space. You know, they got rid of Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract in addition to that, and I think Courtney Lee, too, right, was in the deal. So, like, the the, the play, yep. yes, is, hey, we got DSJ. Maybe he's our point guard of the future. Maybe not. But most importantly, 
we cleared the space to sign two max contracts this summer. So there it is. I mean, there is a risk attached to that because if they swing and miss, as I was saying, then it looks bad. But guess what? It's you know, huge we're now hearing that Kyrie not sold on staying and recommitting to Boston. So the whole like, you know, AD wait for us and we're going to get AD and Kyrie together in Boston. Um, he might, you know, he he might decide I want to go play in New York. I want to go play in New York with my pal Jimmy Butler, who is also an impending free agent. Maybe they still really do believe that they can put together a good enough pitch for Kevin Durant. Maybe they go out and sign some kind of, you know, second-tier all-star player and then go to KD and say, look, come play with this star that we have. That I mean, to me, that makes sense. To me, that is the logic of what the Knicks are doing. And if if they swing and miss, it's going to bite them in the ass. But I at least get what they're doing because guess what? In today's NBA, you need superstar talent to win. You just do. The Bulls, meanwhile, here are trying to build through the draft and build this young core through the Jimmy Butler trade and draft assets, and it's not looking too promising right now. It's really not. And we talk about how the Bulls can't get free big-name free agents to come sign here, and that's really friggin' frustrating. But if the Bulls were to do what the Knicks did and say, we, you know, we got to make sure we have one or two interesting young pieces of talent in play, and then we're going to go out and try and sign two star players that want to play with each other and want to play here in this big market, this glamour market. I know, I know it's a tougher sell for the Bulls because of Chicago winter that we're going through right now, and maybe also a tougher sell because people distrust this front office and ownership group right now. I'm not ignoring those things, but you still got to try. For the love of God, you've still got to try. And that's what the Knicks are doing. We'll get to the Bulls in a second because you're bringing it back where I want want to go with this. The ultimate thing is, what I don't understand is you had all the leverage. He was, he was a restricted free agent. Kristaps has no leverage in this situation. None. Zero. Zip. None. No leverage. I just, that's where I don't get it. You know, they have been waiting on this. They finally got rid of Noah's contract. You know, they had been waiting on this this core group of guys. And maybe that was it. Maybe they just didn't want to pay Kristaps all of that money. But I, I that's where I just don't get it. Like, he was a guaranteed star. Like, you already had him in your pocket. KD and Kyrie aren't guarantees to come. Zion's not a guarantee that you're going to get him. Kristaps was already in your pocket. So that's where I just, that's where that falls into play and I don't get that. So between the Knicks and what, what Porzingis' agent did, it just, to me, just doesn't make any sense. And we'll find out more as it comes out because Kristoff sent out that cryptic uh, Instagram story last night where he said the truth will come out, smiley face. And I was just laughing right. at that. And Yeah. Maybe he was it. so desperate to get out of there because James Dolan is running that organization into the ground. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, honestly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But um, if, if there's one owner that I would definitely not choose to have owning my team right now over Jerry Reinsdorf, it's James Dolan. That guy's a train wreck. I agree with you. I do. I agree with you. Um, okay, let's bring it back to the Bulls, though. Because, Matt, I did say it, and our listeners out there who listened to our Wednesday episode, I teased it at the end of our episode. I told you, I said, there's a player that had been flying under the radar for a while now. And I didn't name drop that player, but I told you off air as soon as we stopped recording 
I told you who it was. I said, this is the player I want the Bulls to go after if he becomes disgruntled. And it was Kristaps. I said, go pick up the phone and call and see what it would cost you. And sure enough, I didn't. I had no idea he was going to get traded. I had no idea. And obviously, now looking at the entire deal in its in its complete entirety, obviously the Knicks have to give up a 2021 first round pick, top 10 protected, or unprotected 2021 first round pick, and then a 2023 top 10 protected. Also keep in mind that Dallas's pick, their next pick goes to Atlanta. Obviously, if the Atlanta pick, uh, their pick doesn't convey this year, the next pick that doesn't go to Atlanta is going to the Knicks. There's a lot of protections, a lot of things, because Atlanta still is owed a pick from Dallas because of the Trey Young Doncic trade. Um, so, worst case scenario for the Knicks here is that they don't get KD, they don't get Kyrie Irving, um, and they ended up with. Dennis Smith Jr., they cleared the books on Hardaway. They cleared the books on Courtney Lee. And they've got Knox. They've got Mitchell. They've got Smith. And they've got complete open cap space. And they've got they've stashed away some draft picks. But if Kristaps signs back with Dallas and that Dallas team is good, those draft picks are going to end up in the late teens, early 20s. So I don't know how good those draft picks are going to end up being. Yeah. Which, which is which the risky is why take. I, say, I mean, it's definitely a gamble. Yeah. It's a very risky take. If they swing and miss in free agency, this this will clearly turn out to be a bad move by the Knicks. But they have faith that they're the Knicks. People want to come play for the Knicks. And who knows? Like Maybe they have some, you know, still, still very much in secret, tampering kind of talks where they are expecting to get real meetings with big-name free agents this summer. Whether it's KD, whether it's Kyrie, whether it's Jimmy, uh, or, you know, I don't, I don't, there's not a whole lot of talk about Kawhi looking at the Knicks, but, you know, whoever it may be, they're the Knicks. They feel like they could afford to move Chris Stapps, who wanted to be moved, and it also allowed them to clear some of their space so that they can offer two max deals because that is still, right now, more so than building through the draft, the best way to instantly make your team a contender. Sign multiple stars and have the cap to do so. The Bulls are really obsessed with the first part of that, right? Financial flexibility <laughs> yeah. out the wazoo. Short-term commitments, my, you know, money-wise. Yeah, Wade, Wade and Rondo were bad signings, but they were short. Jabari was a bad signing, but it's short. Look at all this flexibility we have. Rolo and Jabari coming off the books. Look at all this look at all this money we have to offer people. Now, whether or not the Bulls get meetings in 2019, just like the Knicks, that is the situation that really deserves the job. That's where I circle back to now, Matt. Let's go back to the Bulls now and where that this comes in. And look, I wasn't freaking out because they they didn't trade for Kristaps specifically. It was just the idea that the Bulls don't take big ball swings like the Mavs did here. And look, the, Mav- the Mavs are in a different situation than the Bulls are. I understand that. I get that. It just it just makes me very, very angry. You know, it gets my blood boiling. I see red. Like, that slogan for the Bulls is so perfect. 
because it, it does. It makes me so angry when I see other teams in such smaller markets making big, big moves and taking risks like this. Because, you know, over the last couple of years, we've seen teams do this and take risks and it pay off for them. You know, Paul George wanted to go to the Lakers and OKC took a risk on trading for him and he ended up committing and staying in OKC. And sure, they did have Russell Westbrook and that helped a ton to keep him. Dallas has Luka Doncic and maybe he's going to be able to help convince Kristaps to stay. And Dirk, he was going to retire this year, but now it sounds like he's going to stay and try to help recruit and keep Kristaps there. Same thing with Kawhi up in Toronto. He, he might stay this summer. You don't know where the pieces are going to move, but it's trending in that direction as teams are taking risks in order to see if they can retain these stars. Keep the idea, too, is I think that we're losing the fact of the Bulls have all this cap space, but they don't get free agents. They don't get top-tier free agents. So you have to acquire a star through a trade. You have to do that. You have to do that. So if we're going to take risks and it's not working this way, you have to find other avenues to do that. And, you know, people are like, oh, well, your front court's all built up. Like, why would you make this move? Why would you trade all of this? Look, if you could have paired Lowry Marketing and Kristaps Porzingis together, could you imagine that? If Kristaps came back healthy, that's crazy. You, you mean to tell me you wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? I mean... It's, don't it's tell me. Don't sit there idea, and tell me you wouldn't but, want that. If Kristaps came back healthy the way he was playing eighteen months ago, don't sit there and even tell me that you wouldn't want that. I'm not Matt. telling you I wouldn't want that. I'm telling you it wouldn't necessarily be the top of my list. We're, I mean, we're talking right now about you know having our doubts about the Bulls and maybe the the two pieces we feel most comfortable with, with at least maybe the highest potential, being our power forward and our center, who are still both very young, Lowry and Wendell. Now, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not comping Wendell to, to Chris Stops right now. Clearly, Porzingis has done more and is at a higher level than Wendell, who, by the way, still only 19 years old. And that's, I think, a, a, a part of the, of the puzzle that a lot of Bulls fans just want to immediately look past right now when it comes to why can't we sign free agents why aren't we making these big the Bulls are like the youngest team in the league and because they're the youngest team in the league and because right now this season they've endured a lot of injuries and have a laughably bad coach they're 12 and 40 they're 12 and 40 because guess what most of the time young teams don't win young teams that are lacking in talent definitely don't win so it's like Bulls fans wanted this rebuild to happen overnight. Guess what? We're not even two years into a rebuild. We decided to trade Jimmy away and start over. That's the reality. So going back to Kristaps, though, I'm not telling you that I wouldn't want that or be enticed by that, playing you know, playing Porzingis alongside Markkinen. But guess what? I was just talking about the fact that Dallas also took a risk because we haven't seen a play post-ACL. So... I'm not, you know, I'm not saying, gosh, I can't believe the Bulls didn't get involved in those talks if Chris Stapps was on the table, because I, I would be hesitant to do that. And again, it goes back to me saying, for the love of God, can we get ourselves a star caliber point guard? Because before, before you talk about, you know, Perry Marketing with like, you know, a, a star level player in the front court, 
What, tell me. Tell me what was the last team to win an NBA title whose two best players were front court guys. Tell me that. It doesn't happen anymore. We need an all-star caliber point guard, and we desperately need a wing. And, like, that is, to me, where it starts and ends. For Next step for the Bulls, find a talented all-star potential point guard and or wing who fit age-wise into the rebuild that you're making. Maybe a couple years advanced. And if you do that through a trade, you do that for, through free agency, either one, make it happen. But don't talk to me about this front court nonsense. Those are the two pieces that we actually might believe in right now. Which is why if the Bulls want to make something happen before the deadline or want to sign a free agent this summer, it's got to be a point guard or a wing. And there are plenty of options. They just need to make it happen. I know it's hard. You're saying they don't get they don't get free agents. They don't get free. you got to try. You have to try. Like even if something is as minimal as like you do dude, have to try. Like go 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 make an offer to Pat Beverly. That's that's something. Yeah. Go that's like go make an offer to Terry. I mean, that, that, yeah. Go make an offer to Terry Rozier. Go or, or hell, go talk to Kyrie. We're, we we we've seen tweets this morning saying Kyrie's not sold on staying in Boston. Oh, hey, maybe go call Spencer Dinwiddie, unrestricted free agent. Hey, man, we're sorry we let you go. We, we'd love to have you back. I'm just saying, hell, what about the other Brooklyn point guard right now, D'Angelo Russell, who's been kicking our ass up and down the court all season? Restricted free agent, go make that dude an offer. I don't hate it. I actually appreciate now that you're giving me some names. That's what I appreciate. Um... No, I don't. I don't hate that though. I understand what you're saying. You know, the Bulls have been have been so desperate since Rose to to find somebody that can run this offense and find a guard. I agree with you. I'm there. I'm there with you. Um, but you can't be picky and choosy. If if there's a star out there, I don't care where what position he plays. You know. And that's where I just that's where I fall back to. If a star's available no matter what position he plays and he's available and you can you can sit down and have a conversation and potentially trade for him, you got to you got to be involved in those talks. And it it, it goes beyond the Kristaps talks too. Um so just to circle back on all of this, you know, now that I've seen what it costed the the Dallas to go get him and what they're tied up with with Hardaway and with Courtney Lee, they took a big risk. And I get that. And look, they had to give up picks and all of that. And so they went all in. And so did the Knicks on their side. And they've gone all in. We'll see if it pays off. And it's it's going to play out through this summer. And for Dallas, it's going to play out in two and a half years now. And we'll see if that pays off for them. But I applaud Dallas and it goes back to our main theme, and then we'll get to some bull stuff now. It goes back to them is I applaud them for having big, 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 big balls to take swings. Because you you, you can't win championships without taking huge swings like they're willing to do. Simple as that. And I applaud them for that. And they're in different stages than the Bulls are right now. I agree with that. And that all started this summer when they moved up to get Doncic. Yeah, but That's like you said, it like started. it's maybe it'll pay off for Dallas, and maybe it won't. We're going to see, but they had the guts to make a big move. The Bulls, some of it's out of their power if they literally aren't even able 
to get meetings with these big name free agents. And if that is out of their power because they can't get the meetings, then Jerry and Michael need to realize that and address that to whatever element, to whatever extent they can. Maybe some of it's just, oh, I, you know, I want to go play in a warm, you know, a warm weather city. I want to go to the West Coast. I want to go to the East Coast. Chicago is just the, you know, the Midwest city that's negative 50 right now, blah, blah, blah. Some of that is out of their control. But if there is some truth to the fact that Chicago is a turnoff for free agents right now because of the way they treated Derrick Rose on his way out, because of the way they treated Jimmy Butler on the way out, because of this notion that this front office is not trustworthy when it comes to how they treat their players, they have to address that. Because until they address that, if that is really something preventing them from getting these meetings, then they won't get any meetings. And as you were saying, then the only option is making uh, acquiring trade all-stars through trades, and then the, the problem still exists of, well, okay, we got this guy in a trade. Can we convince him to stay? Which right now, apparently, the answer is just a flat no. Although, we did also get that update today as far as Anthony Davis and the latest there. He has made it known through his agent, Rich Paul, that he he would see if they do trade him to Boston as that just being a one-season loan because he has no intention of signing a long-term deal in Boston. Essentially, what we have learned is that Anthony Davis only wants to play for the Lakers and go play with LeBron and the Lakers. Everything else, he is saying, no, I don't want to do that. So, so Rich Paul is doing everything he can to make that well-known and try and force AD's way to the Lakers right now. So that is an example of maybe, you know, Bulls fans getting all bent out of shape. How can we not even get a, you know, uh, a meeting with AD if he were a free agent? How can we sit here and just take it and lie back and take it when we hear a Chicago kid say, I have no interest, zero interest in playing for the Bulls? Well, okay. Everyone wants to say, that's the front office. That's the front office. That's ownership. That's the reason Anthony Davis doesn't want to play here. And I'm not telling y'all you're wrong. I'm telling y'all that he wants to go play in the Lakers. He wants to go win with LeBron. Winning and LeBron are two things that the Bulls don't have right now. Okay, we spent 30 minutes on Kristaps and all of this, and I think it was good. It was like a little bit of a good therapy session. My main point, though, from yesterday, and I've cooled off since then. I made my main theme clear. The tweet that I had, and for people who aren't on Twitter, which there's a lot of them, I just said, you know, Mavericks acquire Kristaps Porzingis. The Bulls, they sent scouts to go see Ricky Rubio and Darren Collison. And I said, you know, are the Bulls ever going to be invited away from the NBA kids table? Like, are the Bulls ever going to be invited to the adult table? Is that is that ever going to be a scenario that happens? I mean, they have to do something about it. They're, is, they're not going to get an invitation. It's not like the, the Celtics are going to call the Bulls and be like, well, we, we think... You know, Kyrie might actually bolt, so we'd like to get something for him. What would you give us for Kyrie? No. The Bulls right. always say our phone lines are open, right? right. That's something that Paxson says all the time. And, and Gar, before he was banished from talking to the media. Yeah, well, is, their phone lines we, have you know, dust We'll, we'll take any calls. We'll field any calls. Uh, there's always calls going around back and forth, especially in this week leading up to the deadline. But... We all we also hear none of the talks ever really progressed let's, that far. Let's stay with this. Uh, let's stay with the the news about the the deadline deals and what could potentially happen. And Matt, next week, 
Monday leading up to the trade deadline that goes to Thursday. We'll dive more into depth. And this weekend, both and I, both you and I, let's make a commitment right now to do a little bit of our research on top of the games that are going to happen this week. Let's grab some names, some guys that we'd like to target, do some research, and find guys at different positions that we would like the Bulls to target and see if they could come up with some packages um, to go out and get. Because I know yesterday I was going back and forth with you. I was yelling at you saying, like, you said no to a lot of guys, but I want some names. I want some guys that you would like the Bulls to maybe take a chance on. At low cost, low risk, or if the Bulls are going to sell off some of these main pieces, whoever it is, Chris Dunn, Bobby Portis, et cetera, et cetera. So let's do that. Let's do that next week because we'll be creeping up closer and closer to the deadline. But still, we got some reports yesterday about the Bulls wanting to bring in veteran point guards that are going to be quote unquote uh, financially savvy um, for this summer that are going to be guys that are going to be off their books, but they could potentially bring back on cheap deals next uh, this summer for next year. Darren Collison's name was brought up, Ricky Rubio, or an immediate fit bringing a guy up in name, Walter Lemon from the G League this year to push Chris Dunn because he's never been pushed uh, by a veteran point guard before. This coming from Joe Colley of the Sun-Times. What do you think about this? Ricky Rubio's name throwing out there, Darren Collison throwing out there. What are your thoughts on the whole idea of bringing a veteran point guard on this? Do you think this is too late of an idea to okay, be doing Okay, and this? also keep in mind for context that earlier this morning, we heard that Utah and Memphis are in talks uh, for possibly doing a Rubio and Mike Conley swap because we know that the Grizz are looking to rebuild right now. Um, and... Uh, you know, the the Utah Jazz realize that Rubio's on an expiring deal and maybe you're going to try and get something for him. And, you know, it would be tough to match those salaries. Conley's got a, Conley's got a huge contract. But um, as far as the Bulls and this this uh, report from Cali yesterday, look, I don't buy the, well, we need a veteran point guard to really push and test Chris Dunn and, and sink or swim time for Chris Dunn. I don't think that that will make some great impact on who Chris Dunn the player is right now. I don't. I think we're running out of time for Chris Dunn to show us something impressive and show us that he's worth keeping around as part of this rebuild. And I know, like, and that's coming from me who wanted Chris, who wanted to believe in Chris Dunn, and said last season we we never saw a healthy enough stretch of Chris Dunn. And the one stretch of healthy Chris Dunn we saw, he actually looked pretty darn good when the Bulls were winning games. So that's why I came into this season with optimism around Chris Dunn, but it has been hard to keep that optimism. And right now, I don't know what bringing in a vet like Rubio or Darren Collison would actually do to improve what ceiling Chris Dunn has as an NBA starting caliber point guard. I don't buy that at all. What does intrigue me, if the Bulls actually are interested in these guys, and if these talks between Memphis and Utah don't happen and fall through, at least as a end-of-season experiment, I would not mind seeing Ricky Rubio play next to Zach Levine because you know what we saw when in Minnesota Rubio and and, uh, Levine shared the floor together? We saw some of the most efficient, best numbers of Zach Levine's career. Go back and look at his splits, sharing the court, sharing the backcourt with Ricky Rubio because that was certainly... Based on the eye test and based on the numbers to back that up, the best version of Zach Levine we've seen. 
is sharing the court with Ricky Rubio, who has improved himself as a shooter in his later years of his, uh, you know, as he's become an NBA veteran, and clearly is a great playmaking point guard. That's always been the strength of his game, and he has added a bit of an outside shot to that. So, the whole bringing one in for the sake of Chris Dunn's development, I I don't buy that. I think that's horseshit. I think that's pointless. But if it means finding a point guard that works alongside Zach Levine and optimizing the kind of player Zach Levine is, that is what intrigues me about Ricky Rubio. Darren Carlson, uh, no, not interested, whatever. Yeah, so Ricky Rubio's contract, $14.8 million this season. Um, obviously expiring contract deal. Here's what, here's what intrigues me about Ricky Rubio. Before I get into the stats and everything about him, I told you this too. I checked in with some Timberwolves beat writers and reporters, radio guys up there. You know, I was interested, and this had nothing to do with Rubio, and it had nothing to do with Chris Dunn either. It had more so to do with Zach Levine. I was very curious, and it was more about Chris. It was more about the shot selection of Zach Levine this year. I was like, why is why is Zach Levine's shot frequency so lopsided this year? What's going on there? Because I looked at his Timberwolves three-point shot frequency to his two-point shot frequency. Before he tore his ACL in the 47 games that he played with the Timberwolves, he was shooting two-pointers at a 54% frequency and three-pointers at a 45% frequency. And his numbers were way better. Way better. Way better. So, I looked at this season. Zach Levine is shooting three-pointers at a 29% frequency. 29. 20, 29. I sound like uh, the dude from Ferris Bueller. <laughs> um, the principal. What's his name? So I was wondering, I was like, is it scheme? Was it? Is it scheme here? Is it the team around Zach Levine? Is it Zach Levine himself? Is it team? Is it scheme? Is it Levine? So I went and asked them. I asked the guys at ESPN 1500 up in Minnesota in the Twin Cities. I asked uh, the athletic beat writers. We had Tim Fakeless on last year when they did the reunion here in Chicago. You know, I asked them to scrape their brains back to when those guys played. And I said, is there anything that you can remember specifically about what Zach Levine was doing and why he was so successful before ACL? And the only thing that they could scrape up and a common theme that I was getting is Zach was third wheel to to Carl Anthony Towns and to Andrew Wiggins. The other thing that I was getting, the main thing that I was getting from every person that I talked to was Oddly enough, he played really well with Ricky Rubio and Gorgie Zhang. Those two dudes. I haven't dove into the on and off court numbers with those three guys on the floor with the Timberwolves, but every person I talked to said the same exact thing. The chemistry between him, Ricky Rubio, and Gorgie Zhang was unbelievable. And it was weird, but it worked. So maybe that's part of the thing of why that they're going after this too, is to see if the chemistry can be reignited between him and Levine. Maybe there's something there as well to think about. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly uh, an interesting theory. And I think it goes in line with what you and I and lots of Bulls fans are concerned about. And it is, Zach Levine can score, but is he really uh, a crucial piece of this rebuild right now? People have a lot of doubts about Zach Levine and the kind of player he is. Um, we saw him 
fail to make the all-star reserves for the East when those names were announced yesterday, despite having arguably better numbers than, than people that did. Um, but, you know, a lot of that comes uh, uh, in line with being on a very, very bad team. And usually all-stars do not come from teams with records as bad as the Bulls. But people say, yeah, he can score, but he's so ball dominant. He takes bad shots. He doesn't help his teammates, et cetera, et cetera, right? We, we know all of the knocks on Zach Levine. You and I hear them on a regular basis. And, and a lot of it does have merit to it. So you need to understand moving forward what can we do to optimize Zach Levine, the player, on the offensive end, mask his deficiencies on the defensive end, and turn him into a net positive player, which he has trouble being so far in his career. And to me, what we have learned at this point, and I think we have seen enough to know based on how they perform independently of one another and how they perform when they are sharing the floor, is that Zach Levine and Chris Dunn don't work. They don't. Their chemistry is zilch, zippo, nada. Some want to blame Dunn for that. Some want to blame Levine for that. But what I do know confidently is that I would rather have Zach Levine's offensive upside right now than Chris Dunn, whatever Chris Dunn is, because it's looking like Chris Dunn is a backup point guard in this league. Could be a pretty good one, but that's it. And Zach Levine, whether you really fault him for all of his, you know, his weaknesses on the offensive end, and oh, he's not a, you know, a number one star on a winning team, and he's not this, and he's not that. What he is is the guy who can easily get you twenty points per game, and he's on a pretty team friendly contract, all things considered. A lot of people trash the Bulls for matching that offer from Sacramento. Right, right now, it looks like a pretty decent four year contract. It's hard to deny that. So find people that make Zach Levine a better player. You want to talk about, oh, Levine doesn't make his players better. Zach Levine's been playing with a lot of dog shit this season, to be quite honest. So how about we find some players that optimize the player that Zach Levine can be? Start there. And it goes back to what you're talking about as far as the kind of players he was playing with in Minnesota, what worked, what didn't work, and what I was just saying about Ricky Rubio. If Chris Dunn and Zach Levine aren't it as a duo, I would say keep Zach Levine and find pieces around him that, that that make him better. And ideally, yes, someday you find yourself through free agency or a trade, a megastar that is head and shoulders above the, the star level that, that Zach Levine has right now. But, you know, co- uh, you know, coinciding with that, along with that, before that, as you're trying to make that happen, find a better pairing for Zach Levine. Because the other thing that I, you know, you and I were, were chatting a bit about before we started recording this morning is that this also, you know, tan, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Transitively affects Lowry marketing and his development. Right. Yeah. And that's let me, who we really care let about. Let me give you right something now. really quick. I was mentioning this to you too. Is yeah, we've been so focused up on. Chris Dunn and Zach Levine together and, you know, seeing Zach Levine off the floor and watching these guys play better without him and, you know, a small sample size, four and two without him, win column, who cares about that? But individually, guys look different. According to pbpstats.com, this is kind of an off-branded website, but they give really good stats, goes deep into all of this. I can't look at field goal attempted but I can look at minutes with Zach Levine on the floor and minutes without Zach Levine. 
And here's what I found out because I was curious, how is Lowry Markkinen being affected without Zach Levine on the floor? The one thing that I was looking at was three-point field goal percentage. And I was shocked by this, Matt. And I think you were a little bit too when I first said this to you. So with minutes with Zach Levine on the floor this year, Lowry Markkinen's played 577 minutes. Minutes without Zach Levine on the floor, 337. Lowry Markkinen's three-point percentage with Zach Levine on the floor is 34.4%. Lowry Markkinen's three-point percentage without Zach Levine on the floor is 46.3%. That's a 12% difference. That's a 12% difference. He's shooting 46.3% without Zach Levine on the floor. Now, before you freak out when you're listening to this, before you freak out, before you do that, let me tell you something. What this tells me here is, and from just looking at other stats, this tells me that when Zach is on the floor, the Bulls are heavily relying on Lowry Markkinen to be basically their only three-point shooter. And that's a huge concern to me. That's a huge concern. And that's what I've been saying all season long is, Zach, in order to, to be a more dominant offensive player and to take that next step in, you know, being exposed on the defensive side of the ball and and to not worry about that as much, the dude has to be a better three-point shooter. It, it's plain and simple. You know, 71% frequency of taking two-point shots, that can't work. That can't work and be the number two or three guy on this team or even be the number one for that fact. And that maybe that goes back to what I was saying. Is it scheme? Is it team? Or is it Levine? That falls into to team or scheme, you know? Like, to me, Zach Levine has to shoot more threes, man. He's got to shoot more threes. He has to be that guy. I know. I know. It, it can't Tell just be Lowry. And maybe maybe it doesn't even have to be Zach. But you then you have to go out and get a guy that can shoot threes. You do because Lowry is suffering. He's suffering. Right. He can't be the only right. dude that shoots threes. Wait, and which is why... That that also goes back to the Chris Dunn conversation and how it's really hard to see him being the guy moving forward. You heard me complaining on a show, whatever that was, Wednesday or Thursday, about how this team needs a point guard who can shoot threes, and I'd start my trade and or free agency pitches right freaking there. And I just you know ran on a, a rant about it earlier in today's show. And that's truly what I mean. Like, you need somebody other than Markin and Levine on that court together in the starting five who can shoot a three. And Chris Dunn can't. Flatly. Cannot. We, we you know, we, we have this hope and this potential that our front court duo of Markin and Wendell someday could become this amazing floor spacing front court because Wendell shot above 40% on threes at his one and done season at Duke. Guess what? That hadn't really translated in Wendell's now injury-shortened and over and done rookie season. That college three-point line, a lot closer and a lot friendlier than the NBA three-point line. And we saw Wendell make threes confidently in, what, like less than a handful of games this season. Maybe someday Wendell turns into a threat behind the three-point line. But when you're talking about the starting five that you're building on this team right now, Markin and Levine are the only two who can shoot. And in today's NBA, that's a problem. So that's why you might be that's why you are probably hearing about the Bulls going and, and scouting Darren Collison 
The dude's old, doesn't really fit with his rebuild, but he's, what, like eighth in the NBA right now, shooting 40.5% from downtown. That's why I would say go do what you can and make a pitch for Kyrie Irving, whether it's Boston knowing he's going to bolt and training him or talking to him next this coming summer. Kyrie, shoot threes, versatile point guard. D'Angelo Russell can shoot threes, versatile point guard. Patrick Beverly, versatile point guard, can shoot threes. That Those are the names of the guys I was saying. Spencer Dinwiddie, too. He's shooting around 37% for the three-point line this season. That ain't bad. Those are the players that I think the Bulls should be focusing on because it's exactly what you're talking about here, Jordan. Is it scheme? Is it team? Is it Levine? They need another guy who can help Levine and Markkanen create and, and work in other areas of the court because as long as all the other team has to do is close off Zach Levine, make make marketing scared to put the ball on the floor for whatever reason we're seeing him do that this season and turn both of them into contested three-point shooters because there's nothing else threatening them offensively, then this is going nowhere. For me, and I don't know how you feel too, I feel like maybe, and I want to speak for you, but it's very it's very hard for me to evaluate everything as a whole when we have Jim Boylan as head coach. You know, It's hard to evaluate all of this with Jim Boylan as head coach. So I try to remind myself every single day when I'm doing this. Very true. And especially evaluating these players when Jim Boylan is the head coach. I try to remind myself that. That's why when people want to give up on Zach Levine and say he's not it, like I'm, I want to give Zach one more full shot. One more full shot. Give him one, one more coach and one more full year. I mean, he's this is year this is year one of a four year deal, and we know Levine can score. I'm not I'm not ready I'm not ready to give up on Levine. He is in year one of a four year deal, friendly team friendly four year deal. People throwing in the towel on Zach Levine right now are freaking nuts, in my opinion. As you said, a, a lot of it is scheme and what this coach is making them do right now. Versus the Zach Levine who just had a green lights all the way as far as you can see to the horizon under Fred Hoiberg was a better version of Zach Levine than the one we see now. No debating that. So get yourself a coach who is uh, not Jim Boylan, who knows how the NBA works these days, and try and find yourself a point guard who can complement Zach Levine instead of crippling him. And go from there. The only the only reason that I am open to the Rubio idea is because we know Zach Levine played some of his best ball share, sharing a backcourt with Ricky Rubio. That's, that is the only reason I'm open to the idea. For whatever reason. Yeah. That's where I'm buying into, Matt. I'm I'm hoping that somewhere, somewhere, like and I know we, we get called straw men here like all the time like by texters and some people that are some haters on us. And fine, whatever, you can do that. But behind closed doors, you know, in quote-unquote in their building, I'm hoping Zach Levine had a conversation. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm fed up with this team, but if you're going to do one thing and you're going to go push somebody and bring some veteran in here for the rest of the year and potentially next year, that... They're going to scout Ricky Rubio because Zach Levine asked him to do that. Or they, you know, they had half a brain cell and said, hey, you know what? Zach Levine actually played halfway decent Minnesota with Ricky Rubio. The Utah Jazz are looking to move on and maybe add a shooter and could find a way to match a Jabari salary if that fits. And 
that's a guy that Utah's looked at multiple times, called about. So maybe there's something there. So, and it wouldn't cost the Bulls anything. He expires at the end of the year. Could maybe bring him back if things work out, if that happens on a flexible deal. Wouldn't cost you a whole lot. So I understand. The bigger picture here, though, the thing that I got mad about yesterday was back to the the main theme of the episode was other teams are acquiring superstars and we're playing peanuts and talking about veteran point guards on minimal costs and it's just we're sitting at the that the kids table with coloring books while the adults talk about big time deals and winning championships and on paths to winning championships but hey man i mean if you ask michael reinsdorf uh Jerry West is 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 a big believer in where the Bulls are headed. So, well, I first mean, of all, when I talked to Jerry yeah, West, you know, we we got that Jerry going West. for us. Jerry Jerry West, big uh, big Jerry, fan of the Bulls Jerry rebuild. Well, that's gonna about do it here on Lockdown Bulls. Maybe the Bulls will make moves um, next week as the trade deadline comes up on Thursday. So. We're planning on doing some things on Thursday, so keep in tune with that. We're going to plan some stuff this weekend. Um, Bulls may make some moves, may, may not make some moves, so we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, tap into tap into everything that we're doing. Drop us your voicemails, your text messages, 331-979-1369. Do that for us. Uh, you can always tweet at us, at LockedOnBulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash LockedOnShyBulls. We're live on Dash Radio, DashRadio.com, and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Nut channel, live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley. Bulls Nation, have a wonderful weekend. Be back on Monday with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. 